Welcome back to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. Today we have a very exciting topic. As you can see, I'm so excited to talk about it. Today we are talking about education. And before we get started with the conversation, I wanted to give you a brief history of formal education. And formal education started a long time ago, back in 3100 BC in Egypt and Babylonia. Knowledge was getting more complex, and so passing information down verbally from one person to another started to get more complex, and they needed a better solution. As societies became more complicated with new practices, there was the rise of trade, government, religion, and writing also emerged. Back then, everyday life skills centered around practical education, like working in the fields, sewing clothes, making things with your hand, The learning that consisted of reading and writing were outside of normal everyday life. And so eventually they had to develop a system where they could teach reading and writing. And the early forms of reading and writing were taught through rote memorization. According to ancient history, the Jews in the Middle East were some of the first group of people who believed that all children, regardless, regardless of their social economic status, should be educated. Now, in early history, that generally meant the young boys were the ones being educated. Now, one of the first universities ever recorded was in what we call present-day Mali. Back then, it was called Timbuktu, which was founded in the 11th century. The city was full of scholars and merchants. During the 12th century, Timbuktu became a celebrated center of Islamic learning and commercial establishment. There were so many books there. Not only did people own a lot of books, but they also, it was also a place where books would be made and reproduce. Timbuktu had a university with three main renowned departments and 180 Quranic schools. This time period in Africa is known as the Golden Age of Africa. It's now time for the word of the episode. Elimu, Haitikeki. It's Swahili for education cannot be stolen. Dr. Asa G. Hilliard said, teaching and the shaping of character is one of our great strengths. In the African worldview, our children are seen as divine gifts of our creator. Our children, their families, and the social and physical environment must be nurtured together. They must be nurtured in a way that is appropriate for a spiritual people whose aim is to build for eternity. This is Cleverly Focused Kids! In this segment, we talk to kids about different topics. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about um, education, and I know that both of you like to read would you say that 
being able to read is a good skill to have in your homeschool because you can um, spend your time reading? It's an amazing skill to have, actually. What makes it amazing? You can read books, you can read magazines, you can read the subtitles on videos. Um, you can read packaging. You can read um, Wired. Okay. You can read labels. So, out of all the things that you've read, because you've named a lot of things, what is it that you would... Do you have a book that you would recommend to kids? You just mentioned um, Wired. Is that a, a title of a book? That's a, no, it's Mom, it's a magazine. Oh, you Wired is a, a science magazine. That is right. Right. So would you rec- is there a book that you would recommend? I don't know. I, I like to say not everyone has the same preferences for books as we do. So just look around in your local library. Okay. Libraries are amazing. So I'm asking, yeah, people can always choose a book that they like, but and can you free. can you tell them um, just one book that you like? Oh, and okay. um, I would recommend Wonder. Wonder, okay. Why would you recommend Wonder? It's a good book. I'm not spoiling it. No, this is not a spoiled podcast. I'm not saying. Well, you've heard from... Leela and Maya. You've just heard from my girls um, their perspective about homeschooling and education at home. Today we are talking about unschooling and homeschooling. This is an exciting topic because I think a lot of people wonder what is unschooling really all about? They sometimes think, oh, people are just letting their kids do any old thing nowadays. But unschooling actually is a method that is worth using. And there is a rhyme and reason to it. So today we are going to talk a little bit about unschooling and share our perspective about unschooling and homeschooling. So just for the sake of definition, traditional homeschooling is basically when you're learning by subjects, knowledge is given by the teacher to the student, goals are set by the teacher, the family and the students use a certain curriculum and textbooks, a specific time is set for learning to occur. The definition that we're using for today's topic for unschooling is learning by interest that may cross many different subjects. Knowledge is acquired by student and supervised by the parent and teacher. You've often heard me refer to teaching my kids as a guide. I guide them along their learning journey. Goals are set by the student. Resources come from books, parents, siblings, internet, outdoors, museums, life experiences, wherever you can gain information. And learning constantly happens all hours of the day, year round. So that's really the definition that we're using for unschooling. And it's very open-ended. So we're going to get started um, with the topic and let us begin. Yeah, I think it was very interesting, that definition that you read on homeschooling, 
it seemed like they were basically recreating school at home. That's not really what I think of when I think of homeschooling. Because um, I don't know, wasn't, isn't the point to get away from that? Maybe it's not for many people. And they don't see, I'll say, oh, let's see, what's the gentle way to put this? They may not see the flaws in the education system, which has not changed very much since it's, Inception. I don't know. It, it, that definition seems very um, rigid. Yes. That's the word. So I don't think when I say that I'm a homeschooler, based on that definition, is not really what I'm saying. I'm mm-hmm. saying my children are educated at home. That's simply what I mean. And I think um, that that word homeschooling doesn't come with that rigid parameter that people often give to give it, you know? So I'm not one to say, like if somebody asked me, um, do you unschool? Like for instance, if you were filling out a package for your kids to go to camp and the options about their education, like what school, what grade, they won't say, are you a homeschooler? Are you an unschooler? No. You just fall in that homeschool category because your kids, you are the person overseeing your child's education. And that's really how I look at homeschooling. So, you know, the definition that some people give it is more like school, traditional school at home. But I don't feel that many homeschoolers are stuck to that definition and stuck to that mindset. Yeah, I don't, I can't say that I've really seen that in real life. I've seen that kind of thing on TV, but I've never seen it in real life. And then when you read the definition of home, oh, excuse me, un, unschooling, that seemed more like what I think of when I think of homeschool, kind of free-spirited education. Right. That doesn't mean that, you know, you're not, giving them the necessary basics, you know, how to add, subtract, spell, read, all these sorts of things, tell time. These are life skills, basics that, yes, imperative to know because you're not going to be able to move within this world without these basic fundamental building blocks. I think sometimes when people are talking about unschooling, they're basically saying it's more freedom. Mm -hmm. So the child has more freedom over what type of information that they're learning. But it does not mean that that child is not learning. But it also doesn't mean that you forego the, the major subjects that we're used to and let your child only pick the ones that they enjoy. And I think that's a little bit of the controversy around it. Because some people, when they use it, they're definitely talking about that kid is only doing things they enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that's not really the idea that I subscribe to because what I've realized in my life and as a person who was educated is just because I didn't like something at first doesn't mean the more I get to know it, 
the more I get to understand, the more I get to see it in different perspectives, I can actually start liking it. So when you give your child an opportunity, it's just like food. So yeah. at first your kid may not like um, broccoli. Yeah, or broccoli. <laughs> but let's say you add some extra good seasoning to that or, you know, make cheese with broccoli and then they like it with cheese on it or they like it some other kind of way. It may be the packaging. It may be how it looks. Sometimes you have to dress it up a bit mm-hmm. and change it. And then the kid realizes, hey, it wasn't even the broccoli I didn't like. I just didn't like that you didn't season it at all. Right. So you have to add more to it. And I think with learning, it's the same thing. It's not that your child doesn't like math or your child doesn't like reading. It may be it's the stuff that you've been asking them to read. So you may have to rethink how you're approaching it. And so based on that, if you're rethinking how you're approaching it, some people are calling that home um, unschooling. But to me, it's all in the same umbrella as homeschooling. Yeah, I consider them to be, not the same, but I consider them to be in the same family. You're educating your children yourself. It's, it's a collaboration between parents child or parent children about what they would like to do um i know let me ask this question of you so i was looking at a facebook group that had unschoolers and homeschoolers in it and the wife well i'm calling her the wife because she mentioned her husband but the question she posed to the group was my eight-year-old still isn't reading, and we are about to embark on this journey to my in-laws, and they're really not feeling our, well, she said my approach to educating the children, and now he's starting to kind of question it too because his parents are so much in his ear about it. What do I do? The boy was eight, I think she said, and he couldn't read yet. And I don't know that that, well, I'm not saying I don't know. I don't think that that means that the child is not capable or anything like that. He clearly isn't interested in it. And so they're not really pursuing it, obviously. Which then made me think, well, if you can't read, well, can you write? But I don't know. But I mean, what what is your take on that? Because it seems that in certain, for certain unschoolers, that's they let the child decide when they want to start learning to read, or when to start counting numbers, or whatever it, it may be. So this kind of this scenario is problematic in my book. And, and I'm going to share with you why. I, if you've ever read anything that I've written about education, you know reading, to me, is at the top of the list as one of the most powerful ways to share communication. And I guess I'm a little biased in that my kids started reading early because I thought it was important. But I feel that every child is different. So if that child is not reading because, let's say, he has dyslexia, let's say there's some learning disability, that's totally different. 
And I don't, I feel like that child needs to get the reinforcements, the encouragement, the motivation to help him if that is the case. I also feel that if the child isn't reading because they've never been given information or given books and materials that interest them, that's a problem. So when I said that it was problematic, it, de- it all depends. Mm-hmm. You know, why is that child not reading? Is it because it's the child's choice and the child just hasn't had a desire to learn and so the parent is not pushing it? Eight is only two years from 10. And 11, that's when you start entering middle school. So he's kind of at that age where it's better to hone in on those skills and reading comprehension so that you don't fall by the wayside. And so I would say if I were that parent in the situation, I would put my child in some sort of tutoring if I felt like I didn't have the patience to do it. Because I feel like there is some particular dynamic between the parent and the child that is, there's a disconnect some kind of yeah, but I don't think that that's what she was saying. I think that she's truly going with the the more um, ready-made definition of unschooling. Like, we do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, and that's how it is. I don't know that that really is necessarily the homeschool, the unschooling way, but I know... Most people, when they hear that word, they think of it's a free-for-all up in there. Right. Nobody's doing anything except for playing Minecraft, watching TV, um, listening to radio, podcasts, whatever it is. They're just doing them. But even in the comments, there was another woman who said that her children, one was 11 and one was 9 when they started reading. And I was just thinking... Not trying to be negative, but is that really the best thing for them? I'm not in their home, so I don't know what the reason is. Is it because she, you know, they never put it in front of him? Maybe they do read to him, and he just sits there and likes to look at the pictures or just follow along, but he's not really interested in actually interpreting the words on the page. I'm not sure, you know that wasn't posted there. But I that is one thing that, and I saw that a while ago, that just stuck out to me. And I was thinking, wow, I'm pretty free-spirited with it, but I don't know that I would be comfortable. In fact, I do know. I would not be comfortable with my eight-year-old not being able to read. I know, for instance, Rael, She's now full-fledged fluid reader. And it kind of seemed to happen overnight. But before, if I turn on the TV and I'm scrolling through the guide looking for something to put on, I would see things that I know she'd be like, oh, I want to watch that. But because she didn't know how to read, she couldn't say, hey, this show is on. Let me look at that. She just had to wait till I landed on something and she could see the thumbnail of the show, and then she know what it was. So with that, it brought me back to the idea of 
keeping the slaves from being able to read and how the ones that did learn were able to, you know... They had more freedoms. Yeah. And and when you said that, I, I thought about the slaves too, and not even to take it there, but that is where my heart and my mind went because I feel like reading is, is a part of freedom. Yeah. And to me, I have, I guess, a love affair with reading because it can take you outside of your current state. It can take you mm-hmm. outside of what you know, and it can give you a whole new adventure. You can go on a journey that is beyond your imagination just by having that ability to read. So because I have such a affinity for reading, I don't necessarily think that would have worked out in my home um, just because I, I love reading. And so, but I, again, that's me and I'm not trying to project my personal mm-hmm. um, affinity on anybody else or, you know, judge them based on what I deem as a valuable skill. Uh, but I think eight is not super young. And here's the thing. If your child isn't reading by eight, it doesn't mean that they're not going to read at all. Oh, yeah, they probably definitely will, because especially if they come across other children in the neighborhood and they want to be on par with their peers. They do. And some kids will pick it up. So the fact that your kid isn't reading, like, is it that they're not reading at grade level? Is it that they can't read simple words? Like, I don't even know the level. level Because there are some... You know, there are some things that are questionable. Like, I worry about the child's safety because sometimes there are signs that warn us. Stop! Yield! <laughs> right. Yeah. And so if your kid can't read those signs by a certain age, it could be a hazard. And that's what worries me about that whole context, about not reading. So it's almost hard for me to really fathom. And I know, I know kids who aren't the best readers. Like, for instance, not even to bring this this person up, but um, for instance, Fantasia. She is a singer and an artist, and after she won American Idol, it came out that she was illiterate. Now, Fantasia wasn't illiterate in the sense of she can't read anything. She just wasn't reading on the level that she should have been at her age. And so I think I usually assume that that's what people mean when they say, oh, so-and-so can't read. It's not that they can't read at all. It's that they're not on the level they're supposed to be. Yeah, I hope that is the case. I really don't know. She didn't specify. But let's get away from the reading thing. (laughs) In terms of um, homeschool versus unschool, I feel like we have a, a hybrid in my house. So I do try to incorporate, well, not try, I do mostly incorporate things that I know that the children like to do. So Paru, he's three. He is thoroughly obsessed with monsters and zombies and robots and clay and Legos. And so I've been making shapes, been making letters, numbers with the clay. I made a 
I don't know what to call it, like a counter where you can pull the strip of paper through it out of a zombie that I found on Canva. And he was like, oh, this is so much fun. Now, if I sit down in front of him and say, one, two, or start singing the ABCs, he's looking at me like, mom, get out of here with that. So I think, you know, reaching them according to their interest is a definitely a tenet of unschooling, but yeah, I don't know if I think it I think it helps ease some frustration. So mm-hmm. I think that parents that give their kids not just a book and a curriculum and say do this and I'm gonna help you do this, they have more success when they couple that with their child's interest. So in the past, when I heard the word unschooling or the word homeschooling, I took that to mean the unschoolers didn't really use books, but the homeschoolers would buy a ready-made curriculum and they would share that, they would have their kids do information out of the books. You know, based on the definition that we shared earlier, we see that it's a whole lot more complicated than that. And it's not that so simple, not that simple. But when I first when I first became a homeschooler and heard about unschooling, that's what I thought. And so um, like you, we do. I consider myself eclectic because we do use books. Mm -hmm. We use um, we do. You know, in my state, we're in Maryland and we have to show a portfolio. So it can't just be right twice a year. So in the fall and in the spring. So we can't just say um, you're learning this information, but I don't have any proof. So you can unschool. You just have to have proof. So whatever that proof looks like to you, you're going to need some tangible papers. Yeah, it's not what it looks like for you because you can't just go in there with a bunch of pictures or videos and say, look. We've been doing that. No, I don't know what their obsession is with the paperwork, but they want paper. They want to see. Yeah, they want to see the children's name. They want to see the dates. The date is very important to them here (laughs) in Maryland. (laughs) Everything needs to have a date on it. I don't care if it's a self-portrait. They will turn that thing over and block. I don't see a date on this. And I've never had a negative experience with the county review system. I haven't. So far, it's been great. But um, they ask, and I know that, you know, they're very they're serious about those dates. Because I guess they're worried about people using things from previous years or something like that, trying to get over on the system. Possibly. But I think it's... I think you you have to figure out what works for your household. Yeah. So if unschooling all day, like some kids, unschooling just isn't going to work for their personalities. Some students and some kids are wired to be very structured mm-hmm. and they need things done in a more traditional way. I'm happy that my kids aren't so rigid, but there are some kids who are that will thrive in a school education because they need things to be done at a certain time in a certain Mm -hmm. way and they need that type of structure now for people who aren't limited to 
doing things. So if that's not your personality as a parent and your child is wired that way, that may be somewhat of a clash. You have to, you're going to have to find a way to meet middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what that just brought to my mind? Self-directed education. It seems like it's a part of both. I mean, we're over here making this invisible Venn diagram, if you can follow. (laughs) But the self-directed education, in my mind, I think, in theory, it's wonderful. Excellent. Oh, I love it. Because that means that you're going to be interested and engaged in whatever it is that we're doing. Let's say you want to learn about DNA Okay, we're going to talk about the AGT, all those little bits and chromosomes and genes. And yeah, it's going to get real fun in here. But on the other side of that means what happens when you find that your child is done with the DNA and you feel like, oh, we could have gone so much deeper and they don't want to. I think unschooling says okay we'll drop this and maybe we'll come back to it maybe we won't homeschooling kind of says maybe we should go just a little bit further and we'll let it go or we'll pick it up later definitely or maybe not depending on you know your personality and and their personality or their let's say uh, their level but I like the idea of the self-directed education. I don't think it's for every child, though, because some children just lack that discipline. Yeah, that motivation and that discipline to go with it and just ask questions. Some children are not interested in asking the the, the questions, questions. Yeah, the questions that will take them down the rabbit hole and not just you know surface questions like what's DNA? Right, right. I think you're right. And I think it's up to the person who is the instructor, the parent, the guide, the tutor, which have you, it's up to them to help foster a environment that Mm. encourages questions, encourages children to, to think on their own, to think outside the box, to want more. And so if that falls under self-directed education, then I'm all for it. Like you as a person and as an adult, you have your interests. Like we wanted to do this podcast. So we had to kind of learn a little bit more about podcasts and we did it because that was something that was a desire of ours. So we have kids who want to, you know, do YouTube videos. So we have to help our kids guide them so that they can know, how can I bring this to fruition? How can I make this happen? And so just in being human and living in a world that's constantly changing, we find that there's so many opportunities to um, have a classroom, a home classroom of self-directed education. So I think I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely a a person in favor of self-directed education. I'm in favor of unschooling. I'm in favor of homeschooling. So, um, yeah, I think you just have to kind of frame your educational experience in a way that is inviting. So 
you know, if your kids are interested in something that you may not be ready to, to teach them at the moment, you kind of have to sit back and say, hmm, how can I incorporate this? Maybe not as much as they, you know, maybe not on a grand scale, but kind of on a minor scale. So you have to look at it and give them, pique their interest so that they will want more later. So I think, I think unschooling is freedom. And I think that those who are able to do it and feel accomplished, because I think one thing about homeschooling is if you're not seeing your kids meet their goals, then you mm. may feel defeated. And so with any type of education, you have to find a way to quantify it so that you feel like you're making strides. Well, let me ask this question too, since we're talking about when you feel as though your children are not meeting the goals. Is it that they are the ones missing the marks or are we, because most of us, were traditionally educated in the school system. And so we've been, we've, we've, we're already damaged. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to say, well, not to say that it's damaging, although sometimes there's some instances, to it is. that same environment. Yes. In some ways, even unknowingly. Yeah, and the way I know for myself, I often have to pull it back and say, is it really that serious that we take care of this right now or is this something that I need to try to force them to do and oftentimes the answer is no they don't need to finish this um, experiment or whatever it is right now and I'm not trying I don't want them to take on this attitude of never finishing anything but at the same time, if something is just really draining you, you know, let's take a break. Right. Because I find that, I know for myself, if I keep pushing when I'm really not feeling it, stuff just gets real messy. And it turns into a whole other ball of wax. Right. And I, I couldn't recall for you whatever what's going on because now I'm stressed and I don't care anymore. Just please just let me be. And I see that happening with them sometimes. And so I try to pull back, even though everything in my mind is saying, no, we must keep the path, keep going, keep going. But it's not always healthy. And it's, it's right. It's not it's learning. not the, the most important thing about homeschooling is not whether or not you finish the books. The yeah. most important thing is knowing that your kids have learned the concepts. Mm -hmm. And so if you have to revisit something later, by all means do so. Because if you, if you force it, your kid can become so frustrated that they build up a mental wall to it mm -hmm. and they don't revisit it. Like their just mind just shuts down completely. So it's important to know when it's time to pull back. And it sounds like 
you already, you can sense it and you can tell. For me, when that tends to happen in my homeschool, it's field trip time. Mm, it's time go. for us to get out of our normal space because sometimes you just got to be in a different environment. You got to feel the fresh air and then do something new and then come back and say, hmm, okay, I can, that also gives your mind a chance to rethink some things because you may, you may be approaching it in the traditional way that you taught it. Mm-hmm. Because usually that's the easiest way for us to show it to our kids, the way we learned it. Yeah, because you already understand it. You feel like, right. I can answer any question if you throw it at me from this way. But if you wait, you can you can go on YouTube. Yeah. You can go on BrainPod. You can go on a variety of different other resources that are found on the internet. Or you can ask a friend. You can, you know, ask a variety of people. And, like, even a lot of libraries offer tutoring. So don't feel that if your kid isn't learning it the way that you taught it, that you have to feel frustrated. You don't. There are other resources out there and other ways that you can tackle that that aren't frustrating. So take a break. Rethink how can you approach it differently and then go forward. Good medicine right there. <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing. When it comes to frustration about education, it's inevitable in some ways. Oh, yeah, because did you not get frustrated with things in school yourself? Yeah. You did. I recall many a time, uh, mostly in college. <laughs> I don't know. I think I found the lower grades to be fairly easy. And once I got to college and I realized, oh, wait, I have to put a little work in to do some stuff. Oh, I'm not feeling this. I remember I was taking an architecture class and we had to. He wanted it super detailed. We had to make the blueprint with like the shade from the trees and put the time of day and all this stuff. I was losing it. I remember I, I had a green see-through cordless phone. Remember those little VTEX? Yeah. <laughs> I had one of those things and I was so mad. I picked that thing up and launched it at the concrete wall. Oh, I was whipped. That phone never worked quite right again after that. Year. <laughs> but I recall, you know, the frustration. I just had to let it go because... To continue working on it in that state was not going to do anything positive. And I think as as a person who I don't like being stressed, it's not something that um, I deal with well. So having a plan beforehand on what to do when I'm stressed, mm. like maybe a field trip, maybe a movie, maybe um, you know just ask for more support, you know. That always helps me. Some, but I do have to take a break because if I try to keep moving when I'm that frustrated, it just makes matters worse. Yeah. So, um, just in terms of unschooling, I'd say be open to the idea if that's something that interests you because it's not a negative thing. Not at all. And the fact that they call it unschooling may be where you're, if you're a, a person who doesn't mind rules, doesn't mind um, tradition, then it may be that word that you have a bigger hang up with. 
And yeah, not, the connotation is not right. The connotation is I don't like that. Yeah. But the actual definition and what it means and how it unfolds is positive. Mm-hmm. And so just take the parts of it that work for you yeah. and, and go with that. So you don't have to call yourself an unschooler. I don't particularly call myself an unschooler, but a lot of the education and a lot of the learning that is done in my home is unschooling. I just, I don't care for the word. So I'm not trying to get hung up on semantics and all kinds and of definitions. Stuff. Yeah. And definition. I just, you, I'm trying to do what works for me and my kids. And regardless of what I call it, that's what we're doing. Yes, we are family educators. We are educating our own family <laughs> according to our value system, you know? We want to, all of us want to create or prepare our children to be able to go out and function in the world, to be able to support themselves, to be a good friend, a good sibling, to be their best self. We all want them to be prosperous. And that's the, that's the goal. So as long as that's, we're, we're keeping that in mind, as well as trying to support them in that journey, I think that's, things should go well. Right. And on that note, I think she said it best. So I hope that you will tune in, um, not this week, but the week after next, because this podcast is a bi-weekly podcast and we look forward to hearing from you. So if you have any questions, please remember to visit the show notes page. And also if you have any show topics, please let us know. You can um, send it to one of my social media channels at Cleverly Changing on IG or Facebook, or you can um, send me a tweet on Twitter at Cleverly Changing. That's C-L-E-V-E-R-L-Y-C-H-A-N-G-I-N on Twitter. All right. I hope that you all have a wonderful week. Until next time.